0: Somewhere beyond the sea, somewhere waiting for me.
1: My lover stands on golden sand and watches the ship. Welcome to I Don't Get It, The Pop Culture, Get Off My Lawn Cast. This show features the open-minded musings of two mid-40s curmudgeons. Stare down the prospect of entertainment irrelevance. I'm your co-host, Bill Scurry of something called American Caesar Enterprises, which is the number one stop for all of your Anasazi cliffside dwelling needs, from ladder carvings to pretty much rock carving, everything else required. By the way, we have not had any clients in about 2,000 years. It has been a sleepy, sleepy, slow period for us.
0: Yeah, speaking of white people appropriating uh, uh, indigenous culture, our topic today, it's very relevant.
1: Are you going to complain uh, about who comes and fixes your stone dishwasher in an Anasazi exactly. dwelling? How did they get it what, up there in the first place?
0: Where were the, the Anasazi? Were Southwest?
1: Arizona, New Mexico, something like that? Yeah, yeah.
0: Pueblo people. I didn't four, near the, near the present-day Four Corners, so, you know, where Utah, Arizona. I, I, I don't know if this
1: is—apparently is, the word Anasazi was the Comanche word uh, for, I think, evil enemy. And that's why the idea that the Anasazi—the really? modern-day Pueblo people, that's what they call themselves. Like, Anasazi was a name given from without. And we used that for centuries. But now we don't, we don't use that term. It's outdated because, it you know, it's like a pejorative term from a different culture. It was what they were conferred by, right, by the right. Comanche for a while.
0: I read that like half the half the demonyms in the world, including like Navajo and whatever, just mean the people. I love that. Yeah,
1: which <laughs> I mean, it's really simple and beautiful. But like, why yeah. would it be any more complex than
0: that? Why? Why? Yeah, exactly. And Sahara means desert. It's a desert, desert. It's true.
1: So who, who does the who am I speaking to? Who's the voice uh, on the other
0: side? I'm Noah Tarnome, the founder and the senior quiz master of the Big Quiz Thing, the trivia game show spectacular. No, uh, no indigenous cultural appropriation implied or intended.
1: You guys can't see this right now, but Noah is in a uh, onesie that looks like a checkerboard with a tennis yes. tennis balls up and down his arms and a camera yep. over his face that's picking up all his movements so they can be yes, stored exactly. by a computer. Exactly, exactly. So- I'm in a
0: green bodysuit. Yes, uh, head to toe. Yeah.
1: What we're going to do is we're going to record every single square inch of Noah's face and make a lifelike simulacra of him in a computer. Because apparently, right. that's a better thing than just recording that's the how, man himself.
0: That's how you make movies now, man? Come that's on, the man. magic. The magic of the cinema. You want to make movies through me, or what? You want to make movies? And ma- so yes, for an obscure reference. So uh, on this show, Bill and I are—you uh, know—we're we're, we're rapidly headed towards the. the Death of the end, the the doldrums, the dog days of middle age. Dementia. And so we're always s- – dementia, that too. So we're always staying on top of what's – we're trying to stay on top of what's trying to happen. And we look at what's young and hip and happening and new. And this is new but not new, our topic this week. Uh, released several days ago on Wednesday, December 14th. What day was Wednesday? The 14th, right? See, look at that. So I still got it. Uh, was Avatar 2 the way – of is it the way of the water or the way of water?
1: I believe it's the way of aqua fría. No, it's just water, just water. No, the way no, of water. Yeah, no, no, uh, no object. Right.
0: So I'm going to throw it to you for the main intro. But basically, this is a sequel to the 2009 film Avatar, still the highest grossing movie in history. Is that right, Bill?
1: Yeah, I think uh, that um, for what it's worth, after Avengers Endgame, which which dethroned it, uh, Avatar, Jim Cameron couldn't stand still, and so he re-released it. I think it was right. the third time. Just to, you know, so it was like, a, if Marvel went and re-released Endgame, it might take over the top spot right. just because it's got right. this momentum.
0: Uh, why do that? They have their own streaming platform. So Exactly. Uh, yeah, you know, Avatar 1 came out and they are immediately talking sequels, but it took 13 years. And, uh, you know, a lot of technical wizardry had to be done. And I'll tell you, Bill, I, maybe I shouldn't say this yet, but I saw Avatar 13 years ago in the theater and I remember not enjoying it and... It was a hit regardless of my opinion. Big hit, obviously. And But I feel like in the 13 years since then, no one talks about it, no, right? Like yeah. I didn't remember any of the characters' names. These characters aren't icons. Even the look of the characters, the distinctive blue cat people, giant, you know, lanky character, computer animated look. It's not like that's a cultural icon the way so many other, you know, the Marvel characters are, the Star Wars characters are. Uh, you know harry potter or the simpsons. I mean there's just no for all this movie success. I feel like it kind of faded from our consciousness Now, I don't think that precludes a sequel and I don't think that means the sequel is going to fail uh, apparently so far. It's Living up to expectations or am I wrong about that? But bill I turn to you as mister I don't get into pop culture get off my long casts resident. Mr. Movies the expert on the movie industry Tell us a little more about Avatar 2, the method of Agua.
1: Well, to your point, I was just thinking about, uh, you, you know, there's no cultural foothold, footprint from these blue monsters, these, these cat things. And just think about in that same period of time, Harley Quinn... Jumped up into prominence, and Harley Quinn yeah. became on the screen. Was it, was, it
0: com, was known to only comic geeks until? Oh yeah, like, she she was invented yeah.
1: for the animated series, made the jump to the pages, but became a live action comic sensation, and has been in a number of movies, and is one of the the only successes that Warner's had. Is this the fandom that that Harley Quinn generates, and it's like that's a big footprint. That is people cosplay. Right. As Harley Quinn all year round, you know, like that yes. is a big fucking deal, it's right?
0: A- how many how many Avatar costumes did you see at, at San Diego Comic Con the last ten yeah. years? Probably, uh, you know, if you were to draw a line, it would be a very you know dramatically sloping graph to yeah. the right. So, Avatar: The Way of Agua
1: is a 2022 feature film, as Noah said, from director James Cameron. Everybody knows this, and it's a over a decade, thirteen years to be precise, uh, since 2009's Avatar. Uh, you know, and everybody knows the story of Avatar, commercial world beater from a visionary photographer, uh, filmmaker, and those are his words, not mine. Um, <laughs> this movie, by the way, the first of four expected sequels, returns to the. Oh f- come on! Go with it. Hang with. Hang with You know, hang, stay with me here, people. Uh, this returns to the far-off world of Pandora, which is a uh, moon-sized globe prized by men for its exotic materials and substances which enrich the human race. If and
0: one, for its ability to make your own radio stations. <laughs> and for its, its availability of uh, diamond jewelry. Uh, then, of course, the, uh, uh, if only it weren't for
1: those damn cat-faced blue people who live a, a fierce and pastoral existence in communion with the very heart of their world. Uh, 15 years after the events of Avatar, human trader Jake Sully has integrated fully with the Blue Monsters and leads his tribe along with the new nuclear family conceived alongside his partner Neytiri. The Blue Monster, Jake Sully, was played by, of course, uh, some fucking uh, d- d- Australian side of beef with no charisma. And Neytiri is Right. Played- and another
0: thing. Another thing. The actors in that movie... Yeah. It's not like they've gone on to be big stars, right? Well, Who Zoe the hell is Zoe Saldana. Sam Worthington.
1: Zoe Saldana's so. got the whole Guardians of the Galaxy thing. She's done okay for us. Yeah. Herself.
0: Okay. Fine. <laughs> Carmela Soprano as, a, one, as an army general. One Really thing. threw me for a loop. Yeah. She's in a few scenes, and she seems like Carmela. She's playing like Carmela suddenly joins the army. It totally can. It totally took me out of the story. Anyway, yes, Edie Falco, great actress. But if, you know what? If, just, if
1: Cameron calls me if, me, if I'm Edie Falco and Cameron calls me, I oh, said, "Yeah, Jim. You know, I'm coming. To, I'm coming to New 100%. Zealand. I'll do whatever you want."
0: I don't want to rag on her performance. Maybe it's me because I'm such a Sopranos nut. But it just she sounded and looked like Carmela in an army uniform. Yeah, me. it well, was really weird. It's
1: it's tough yeah. to get out. You know why hasn't she blown up in movies and TV other than not right. know. By the,
0: by the way, folks, if you don't want to listen to this whole podcast, let me give you the the TLDR. Watch Sopranos instead of this. Your life will be... I
1: going to say. Yeah, so uh, what happens in the movie is that humans have returned after a 15-year absence. They're back to steal... Thir- 13 years. 13. 13 years, sorry. They're, they're back to steal... Uh, uh, I believe it was called Space Whale Brain Juice, which can retard <laughs> the aging process in humans almost entirely. But they
0: don't establish that till halfway through.
1: Oh, more than halfway through, yeah.
0: Yeah, they don't... Like, why are they killing these space whales? And then and they tell you in one, like, semi-throwaway scene. We can stop aging.
1: So uh, it looks like we got a ball game on our hands here, sports fans. Who will win the aggressive <laughs> plunders from off-world or those lanky monster-riding blue freaks from the trees? Stay tuned for the opening pitch after the sponsor messages from Needix Restaurant and
0: Chock Full of Nuts Coffee. The problem, Bill, is that you make it sound like there's one coherent conflict. You know, like there's, No, seriously, like there's a spine. The story of... The native people want to defend the whales. The humans want to take the whale's glands. It, it's what about the it's chunks, not so much that
1: it's... What about the chunks of metal that Giovanni Rabisi wanted from the last movie? What happened to that? Right.
0: The unobtainium, great yeah. name. It's not so much that that it's more complicated than that, although it is. It's just more muddled than that. And I mean, look, I saw Avatar 13 years ago. I don't remember it very well. I I don't remember enjoying it. And I wasn't going to re-watch it for our purposes here because no one's paying me. Uh, but my memory of it was, yes, it was visually very sumptuous and innovative. But I remember leaving disappointed, yes, but also confused because I'm like, really? Like, this is the whole story? Like, that's all there is to it? It was so flat. It was so bland. It was, to quote my good friend Katie Vanino, who at the time... Was my girlfriend and went to see the movie with me. She says that was just dances with blue people. And she's pretty much right. It's a very hoary, cliched, uh, white man goes native kind of story that is very old in our culture. And of course, white man becomes savior and leader of the natives. And the natives are closer to the land, and white man's invading, but he's the good. White men are still better because the white man is both the invader and the hero. Right. The, once he, it, it's the corrupt white man it's the white man from the cities from the industry but once the white man gets back to me I mean that is a very old American archetype and something I, I actually studied in school so I remember just leaving Avatar being confused that there was so little to it uh, so I will say having gone and seen this movie last night uh, it was a lot better than I feared it would be I genuinely enjoyed myself uh, there were certain elements I even loved, but the movie still sucked. Um, <laughs> James Cameron and thousands and thousands of people and zillions and zillions of dollars. How much was the budget on this movie? Well,
1: What's the, the, number? the movie themselves, I think it's 250 per, but $1 billion for the whole lot. They, they, they made it as a giant unit, so they were given Oh, one, you mean
0: the, the sequels. So yeah. $1 billion for four sequels, yeah. approximately $250 million per. And is that— that makes it the most expensive movie ever, doesn't it?
1: Um, it's up there. It's up turn, there. Well, uh, there may be, it, it, I'm sure there are some movies that exceeded that, but it's close to nah, it. I don't understand
0: purpose. it. Why, why don't you just have a nerd sit down at a computer and make it? How much money could it what, to have, cost that much money to buy him a box of donuts? Come on. Um, these people move Neptune out of its orbit to make a technical marvel, the likes of which the world has never seen before. But the script is like something written on a post it note by a sixth grader. The plot is so weak. So weak. Just cliche after cliche after cliche. I don't care about these characters. They all blend together, partly because they're all these blue cat people. They literally look the same.
1: It was so hard. This guy's got
0: five kids, and I'm supposed to be able to tell them apart? Yeah, because one of them them
1: wears a ponytail and one of them doesn't. It's like, that's supposed to tell me from a distance. I've
0: lost. I mean, the movie's beautiful, but like... The dialogue is nothing. How many how many fucking times are these kids going to get into trouble and get kidnapped by the bad guys and have to be rescued? Um, it's just so little effort put into that. I'm almost insulted. And the interpersonal conflicts, you know, that— the, the, the former white guy is now the Na'vi. He's being targeted by his old enemy who's now in a Na'vi body. So he escapes to live with... You know, they're tree people and they escape to live with the reef people who are swimming. It's way of water. A lot of this movie takes place underwater, which makes for some great visuals. And then the interpersonal conflicts and family conflicts and you defied me. It's it's cliche upon cliche upon cliche. I have a question for you, Bill, as a film expert. What is... The motive. So there are scenes, and and some of them aren't brief. Of people arguing, of people falling in love, or getting closer to nature. Just scenes of talking, of conversation. What is the purpose of these scenes? <laughs> is it that no, Mike? Here's a serious question. Is it that the people making these movies think these scenes are like genuinely emotionally affecting, and they add value to the movie, and they're just too stupid to realize that they don't? Or do they know these scenes are flat and they think the audience is stupid so this is going to make them happy because we need to give them simple – never mind you know, things like Game of Thrones or whatever that make interpersonal stuff more complicated and have tons of success. But do the people making this movie think, ah, these people are idiots. We'll give them idiocy and they'll like it. Or is there some philosophy of big-budget screenwriting that dictates that you need flat, boring scenes as sort of like you know a palate cleanser so that the big, you know, beautiful underwater swimming fantasy things, uh, you know, are more appreciated. You know, I, I'll, I'll let you answer that in a minute, but I'll just leave you with this. Um, like I said, there were parts I liked. I thought the big fight scene at the end was very well done. And I actually liked the contrast between the tree people and the reef people. But I will say that I thought as spectacular as this film was, I didn't think it was that spectacular. It's in 3D. We didn't mention that. 3D did nothing for me. Um, And I thought the designs of the sea creatures and everything, they really were like not that imaginative. You know, everyone's talking about the space whales and they look great and the way they move is very But they're they're space whales. They look like fucking, they look like someone took an American, an earth whale and just tweaked it a little. All the underwater animals look like, hey, what if a stingray had an extra barb on its head? You know, like, give me some creature that is unlike anything I've seen before. In fact, this is funny. You, you're a diver, Bill. I went snorkeling several years ago in the Great Barrier Reef. Gorgeous, beautiful. Words don't describe it. And frankly, the underwater lands of these reef people, the beautiful underwater lands, look basically barely more spectacular than the Great Barrier Reef. with The sea anemones everywhere, right? And I'm not saying that's not a beautiful thing, but if you're on some moon planet millions of miles away, give me something truly weird and unlike anything I've ever seen before. And it gets a problem. I have a lot of topics to talk on this. It's first, we talk about first pass comedy. This is first pass world building in my mind. It's all about, it looks very natural, it looks very beautiful. A lot of care and money and effort went into this, but not a lot of imagination by my reckon, reckoning. And certainly, not a lot of screenwriting, interpersonal, behavioral, you know, dialogue effort at all. So I, this movie is—I was entertained, but it's not a good movie.
1: Your point about that is very interesting because I think that should—you know what? If you wanted to make a real legitimate, um, logical, linear backlash against it— your point about the lack of imagination and how conventional—you um, know—essentially, it's just a horse except it has six legs. It's just a stingray and, except. I, I
0: mean, basically, yeah. Give me something that really blows my mind. It's a
1: tree except it glows. It's right. it's a, it's a yeah, plant. Exactly. It's a lizard except it glows and all these things. And it's like, yeah, that that's is a real dearth of imagination in spite of the ability to render these things one to one. So that with the idea that um, oh yeah, you know, you mentioned the three D. There is a couple of other. Um, a couple of other facets to the way Cameron, you know, I believe there's an IMAX version of this out there, or at least some sequence IMAX. There's something else called HFR, high frame rate. I don't know if you got oh. that
0: Oh yeah, I read about that. It's That's yeah, the version I always. saw.
1: Some of the scenes go to almost looks like motion smoothing on your TV. They play, you know, like most of your movie, I should say, all of your movie images are always 24 frames a second. That's been since the dawn of photography, motion picture photography, 24 frames per second creates the persistence of uh, images, they say. Um, so this movie uses 48 frames. And in order to, it, what it does is it actually shows you more frames as necessary. You're not used to seeing it. It creates a weird, almost like PlayStation 5, You know, on the screen at an electronic store as a demo, you're watching the way a game would show, you know. And
0: And there's something very pleasurable about that, I admit. yes,
1: It can be. I mean, it toggles back and forth between 24 frames and 48 frames. But I mean, I don't want to go up my own ass about this. Yeah, that that is, I think the the point about everything. Oh, that's just a whale, except it's got some tendrils and a beard, and you know, two it's extra, got an
0: extra eye. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, that's, that's fine. But the the first part, I think, the first question you asked in terms of which of those three options is it the the, yes. the placement Whoa. of of these scenes of this sort of this very desultory character building. It is obviously the answer is some combination of the three options you put out there, and you know, you're talking about any number of of things that are involved in the mission creep. Of feature filmmaking especially the language of blockbuster filmmaking um it's just so many weird boxes here in terms of this is jim cameron who is responsible for some of the most greatest visionary action genre pictures of our time starting with his first you know his first bona fide film terminator 1984 working with a tiny budget and you know he he for a while he reinvented wheels all the way up until about true lies or 94. You know, after Titanic, which is a very conventional love story done on this huge scale, you know, I mean, he he realized that, that, that you know that it was the sinking of the Titanic. He hit that movie more like a general rather than a visionary filmmaker because he did the size of a production. But there wasn't anything inside Titanic other than the scale that was really new according to his his you, yeah, but
0: the but you said conventional love story. And I thought as a conventional love story, Titanic is perfectly acceptable as a as a A romantic film, sure, yes, right, yeah. I I thought the story, the plot, the the connections, the emotion of Titanic far outstrips anything Avatar has to offer. Oh yeah, yeah,
1: of course, of course, both both Avatars and presumably all seven. That was
0: acceptable. This is below sub.
1: So the thing is is that Jim Cameron, his strength was never, and I'm not the first person to say this, his strength was never screenwriting. You know, his strength was um, a, 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 a tweak on scale of feature filmmaking and some ideas and visuals you'd never seen before. Um, you know, the idea of a robot inside of a man's skin that, you know, when you apply fire, you'd see this terrifying silver robot walk out of, um, you know, walk out of the flames and still continue to lumber at you like a skeleton filled with pistons. You know, that's it. A,
0: it also, by the way, it also helped that Arnold Schwarzenegger.
1: Yeah. Actually has it yeah. radiate
0: star power. Can yeah. we imagine? I still hey Terminator would have failed if it were OJ Simpson. <laughs> That's Terminator, true. Which that is was, true. Yeah. Which was which was floated as. The the legend is I don't know how true it is that they were talking about offering it to OJ and someone said no nah, no one will ever believe OJ Simpson is a murderer. Yeah, I love that. I'm sure which some... makes I, I think makes sense. I'm sure a lot way. of
1: names got passed around OJ. Wasn't I know, the only I one. know, but OJ
0: OJ is the only one who since murderer. <laughs> yeah, that we know allegedly, allegedly. Yeah. But I think
1: that Cameron, as he gets older, you know, after Titanic, which is 1997, that is older than many of the people we both know, Noah. Um he took a extended a hiatus he decided i'm not stepping out of bed for anything other than the most majestic thing in the world he designed submarines he built bathyspheres he went to the bottom of the mariana trench he recorded he made a whole movie on the titanic about the titanic documentaries he didn't bother taking pen to paper until the late 2000 aughts when he decided to write the script for avatar and you know this is you know, my feeling on Avatar in two thousand nine was that Avatar looks like the notebook drawings of an artistic teenager in the marginality of, <laughs> of a spiral notebook during yeah, algebra okay. class when you're fourteen years old. It's a, sure, a, sure. a blue done in blue point blue ballpoint pen, but it's like the design of the Na'vi creatures never went further than the initial first pass. I think by the time Cameron decides to make this thing. He's at the point where he can no longer be told no, nor does he ever get, nor does he take the word no if it's given to him. He decides, I'm the smartest person on the world. I, and, and not only that, I think my theory for a while now has been Cameron in his head thinks he only has one peer at Steven Spielberg. Now, you might, yeah, you might buy that. I... You, you might say it's crazy. Like, there's no way James Cameron could, could compare himself in, in a rational world to Steven Spielberg, the man who gave us far more for far longer that meant far deeper. Jim Cameron gave us a lot, but he did not give us E.T. and Close Encounters and, you know, Poltergeist and The Color Purple and all these movies along the years. But
0: also the, 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 the fact that those movies are still iconic mm-hmm. in a way for all its success. Like I said, Avatar was like forgotten.
1: Yes, totally Could
0: forgotten. I, I, literally, if you had asked me a month ago, what are my memories of Avatar? I would say it ripped off dances with Wolves. And there were blue cat people. That is, lit- and there were some military. The villains were military people. That is literally all I. Cameron remember.
1: is so divorced from storytelling. What was once a sore spot of his, he had to work on and make sure that sounded okay. He needed he needed human beings, with actual feelings and emotions. Because if you've ever seen Cameron in an interview, he's a cold, walled off, analytical, technocratic man with no yeah. humor. He is humorless. Well,
0: well, well, but he he. He had that moment of silence for the people who died in the Titanic at the Oscars. But but yes, he did. Let's have a moment of silence for people who died 85 years ago. Who've been pretty
1: memorialized all through this.
0: But it's like... He, now let's party all night. What a fucking
1: Cameron chance. has no warmth. He's got no humor. His movies don't really have a lot of warmth. His movies don't really no. have a lot of humor. But you know what he did? It, 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 he operated, it's the
0: scrim of warmth. He it's, operated it's
1: the, in spite yeah. of that to create great landmark films like Terminator 2 which had an incredible... The actors themselves synthesized this great father-son relationship inside of it. Far really? exceeding... I thought that kid was so damn... Well, but it worked because I think that inside the it, he was the wrong... I think Edward Furlong is whatever, the wrong kid. But, but still... Cameron doesn't have this as his ability. So now Cameron's like 74, 75 years old, making this thing out. He is so divorced from all the feelings inside this movie. He's he's describing them as if, you know, we would describe sounds of music and I don't write, you know, I don't write music. So, but I, I guess it's an A note. I guess it's F sharp. I guess it's whatever, it's music. So I'm just gonna make a movie about that without any real understanding of what these people are going through, which is why all that stuff was just fucking dreadful. I hear her heartbeat, she's so close. So what does her heartbeat sound like?
0: Mighty. Why are people enjoying this movie, or going to see this movie? Again, 13 years. So if you're a kid and you're like, I want to go to a big budget movie, I'm 17 years old, mom gave me the car, you probably, there's a good chance you didn't see Avatar 1. You barely remember it existed, because you were four when it came out. So, why is this attracting people?
1: Well, my own amp- antipathy towards this movie aside, there are some things that we can say about it as an exists as, as an extant existence on Earth, as, as an idea. Avatar: Way of Water is the spectacle of a lifetime. You know, I can't argue with that, whether I like it or not, as falls by the wayside. But this is the reason why theaters and IMAX and 3D and and the Tingler and Smell-O-Vision were, were even invented, <laughs> right? <laughs> Uh this is it, it's to make What use, was the
0: one where what was the one where a plastic skeleton like on a pulley system like moved through the aisle? That I'm was like, one of those.
1: I maybe. forgot that one. But the yeah, I'll this, look it up. all these bits and pieces, right? They were designed, they were invented to make use of the communal dark space of the projected movie experience, right? This movie be, even take into account that the dead zones like you've said it it, it it is supposed to be it is it is intending on being thrill upon thrill in successive waves. Specifically designed to, no, it's designed to destroy streaming and watching a movie on your iPhone, which is perched precariously between your knees while you're on a cheap flight from LaGuardia to Midway. That's
0: Yeah, but you're not paying, no, it's while you're on the subway, man. You I'm know not going pay for Wi-Fi to watch a movie on my phone.
1: Why this is popular is because it is supposed to be the essence of, the right now, the filmed experience, which, you know, if you look at any any metro any Metroplex theater at any point right now it's not filled with terms of endearment anymore you don't get broadcast news you don't get Gandhi what you do get is Black Adam you get fast and spurious you know, you get all these different movies along the way. This is this is pretty much all you're allowed to see in a theater because there's no room for anything that's not this. Like, everything else got crushed, sent to TV, sent to streaming, whatever you want to call it. Podcast became a thing in the time because storytelling took all sorts of different forms. It was chased well, under rocks. Social
0: rock. media also became a thing. Social media that.
1: and video games, of course, too. But, you know, like, why yeah. play the game when you could actually play 80 hours of Elden Ring? You know, like, that's even, even right. better than right. the stuff. Why? Yeah. But this stuff. Yeah. But this is the essence of theater going as it has been built now by the you know the studios don't see anything else in their head other than it, it is it has been avatar it will always be avatar
0: and it is avatar today that's why it's popular. yeah I, I mean i don't think this is i agree with you this is what movie going has become it's become there's no point in going to a movie and watching i mean uh, think of a more modern example in terms of room or whatever right of these these small quiet but pieces back then, Fablemans, you know that's out in the theater yeah, right now for right, fuck's sake. Right back then, that was the only way to experience those movies was in the was in the movie theater, and that's what and there now was. There, there
1: was there was Fablemans. Right, there was right. all those movies. And, and occasionally
0: yourself. it would show. Occasionally it would show up on TV. But those are your, and then you could rent it. Right. I think this isn't to kill streaming. I I think this is you know those movies aren't going to die. They're going to keep going on streaming. It's going to be a different experience to see a movie like that versus seeing your your Black's Adam, your uh, Avatar ways of water. Um, we have been trained to believe that uh, m- going to the movies, not watching it at home or on Netflix or whatever, going to the movies is about eye-popping special effects, millions of dollars into a unique uh, sensory experience, visually, audi- audi- audibly, although the audio there's sound in this wasn't but, really great. but that's a pre-pandemic idea too that's not just like let's get people back into the theaters that's what the blockbuster. Oh yeah yeah that's board. what that yeah. no no the pandemic did not create this right maybe it supercharged it. i don't know so we've been trained that's what we want uh you know to say cynically we've been trained to have our buttons pushed right we don't get our money's worth unless there's a space whale flattening a boat you know um i mean the negative way of seeing it too is is and you know The question I had for you is that we need a shitty script to enjoy a movie on the big screen. I mean, I love the Marvel movies, but I'm the first to admit that the interpersonal relations, while sometimes funny and good, the humor, the emotion, all that is, it's all the same. It's the same thing over and over again. But not necessarily bad. You know, a lot of rock and roll is all the same thing over and over again. And I love it. I love, sometimes I love its simplicity, right? I think this is so far below that. So, Well, I'll get to that. I'd have to worry, but, like, have we been trained, like, we can't handle deep emotions on the movie screen? I doubt that because I mentioned a lot of huge hit TV shows got a lot of, you know, interpersonal depth and creativity and complexity and people seem to be eating that up just fine. But maybe the idea of going to the big theater and spending 30 bucks on, you know, impossible nuggets and popcorn and soda is... I don't want a real story, I don't want real, I I just want cliches and special effects.
1: We pick up uh, 15 years later, and as as you know, Sam and Zoe played the the young lovers of the first film. They're now the old married couple, not that old, but older (laughs) 15 years later with teenage kids. Noah, would the tiny little blue cat nose kid inside of you have liked this back in the day?
0: I think no, because it was never really my aesthetic. I remember going to see Dances with Wolves Which is, you know, adjacent to this aesthetic, like I said. And, like, thinking, oh, this movie's going to be so boring. And being surprised how much I enjoyed it. I didn't see it until
1: Uh, VHS tape years later, man. I didn't see it Really? Oh, I
0: I saw it in a theater, baby. Oh, no, no. no. I saw that. I saw Goodfellas. That was a big... I had just moved moved that year. So what the fuck else was I going to do? I saw Jungle Fever in the the theaters that year. Remember that? Uh, It was a big year. Um, So I don't think I would be into it. Look, here's what I... I haven't said this yet, but here's one of my problems with this movie. i If someone tells me the story sucked, but the special effects are good, I'm usually really turned off. It's never enough for me. Something I said in one of our first episodes when we talked about electronic dance music, I might as well just close my eyes and rub my eyelids if I'm going to do that, just to see something look crazy that like that. Yeah. Thank you. I know you like that. So not my aesthetic. However... I started remembering you know I wasn't young 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 I just graduated college when I saw Titanic in theater and I remember I remember mocking the dialogue but first of all I remember the ship sinking I thought was fucking dynamite that I thought was worth every penny way better than anything in this movie. But, and also maybe it's because Leonardo DiCaprio and Kate Winslet are better actors. I had no idea Kate Winslet was in this movie until I saw her in the credits. So I don't know if I saw Titanic fresh now, if I just roll my eyes even more. So maybe when I was younger, I would have thought that this story, this plot was a little better. But I don't know. Depends what young, if I was 11, I'd probably think it was better. If I was 22 again, I'd probably go, eh, this is kind of sucky. So I, I think mostly I would not have liked this more if this had come along. If you were the same
1: age as Cameron was when he drew this in blue ballpoint pen on a spiral-ring <laughs> notebook. Honestly,
0: oh, No, no, because it's because it's not my aesthetic. Yeah. Superheroes were my aesthetic then, which is why as much as I enjoy the Marvel movies now, if there were Marvel movies when I was a kid, I would be like personally offended that they didn't win Oscars. You know, I'd yeah, be that good. No, that's
1: true. Yeah, no, that's understandable. Uh, I mean, I like everyone else besides who George Plimpton's kids perhaps had fewer critical faculties than I do today, you know what I'm saying? And so <laughs> George okay. Plimpton, everybody. Look it up. Google George Plimpton. All,
0: all the kids. All the, I shook his hand once. Yeah. I shook George Plimpton's hand once.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I worked with his son at uh, the newspaper I worked at in the Hamptons. He you told there. me that. Your
0: boss was the most evil man in the universe. Yeah,
1: yes. Taylor, uh, Taylor Plimpton was actually a very solid kid, I'll tell you that. Anyway. Okay, yeah. Yeah, you know, I absolutely, assuredly guess um, this would have been my jam. It wasn't until i would say i guess it was 96 or so whenever the uh, d- dean devil and rollin emmerich movies started rolling out um you know d- was will smith was the king of the king of the late 90s in terms of the summer july 4th tent poles and after that i, I sort of i started losing it around um independence day you started like, losing by the time it. he by the time he made wild wild west and godzilla and those things came out it's like those are the big spectacles and it was at that point, I was like, I really got the sense that, oh, these don't look like the thing that I want. They're not, they're not playing like the, the things they think they're playing like. Like They're trying to make me think of Batman and Return of the Jedi, but they're not. They're these terrible, shoddy-made movies that have no quality to them, and they're garbage. And the difference is back in the old days, and I'm not going to say everything was better back in the old days, but
0: it's like... My, Give me the honeymooners. That's all I can. My
1: cinematic experience was seeing Return of the Jedi, nineteen eighty-three. That blew my oh, mind. Can
0: you? Do you remember how mind blowing that
1: was? I, it's it's a crazy. Cause I'm not again. I'm not trying to like really bright side this into the August memories of, of a man looking back at his past. However, Well,
0: but we all do that. It's very. We
1: we didn't. You know, I, I'm sure somebody who watched fucking Victor Fleming movies in nineteen thirty-nine could say something yes. even bigger than this. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, That's the well, but
0: but but Wizard of Oz has. Two thousand times more cultural footprint. It came out eighty years ago, and it's two thousand times more cultural footprint than Avatar. Does. And never, what does that tell never you? Never went away. Gone with the wind too. Gone with the wind for all its racism has way more cultural influence than Avatar. So, look, does. G- Jim Cameron
1: wants Avatar to have the same weight as Return of the Jedi, Dark Crystals. No Way, Star no Trek way. IV, The Voyage what, Home.
0: What kid t- is buying Navi action figures?
1: Jurassic Park. He wants it Come to be on. that. That's what I'm saying. Come However. On. I would have sucked this thing up because, you know what, I would have put it alongside it, not have noticed the the difference in quality between it and Jurassic Park, you know, which Jurassic Park was both maybe the the high point, the zenith, and the beginning of the nadir of this type of film. Like It it enabled so many people to do so much baleful, dolorous work after this in the same same lane, and they're not Steven Spielberg. Cameron is not Steven Spielberg, and I'm going to bring up Steven Spielberg again before we're all done. When I was a kid, I aspired to become a diver so I could go and see this wonder and this beauty myself. And then I spent decades, you know, exploring and enjoying that world.
0: All right, well, there's two possibilities here. Let's say this movie kind of tanks. Like, yeah, it does all right in the theater, but no one gives a shit and it's forgotten about a few months later. It gets no no Oscar nominations or fewer than they think. Uh, Would that be a sign of the apocalypse? Or let's say it becomes the biggest thing ever, right? It outstrips Avatar 1 still doesn't have a cultural footprint is that a sign of the apocalypse or let's say it catches on in a way avatar one doesn't catch on it doubles the take of avatar one every kid's dressed as avatar for halloween avatar becomes the cultural touchstone of the 2020s is any aspect of avatar 2 uh the the water, is any of that a sign of the apocalypse
1: very nice i like that good reference uh, no, actually, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to diminish all that stuff you just said. Not that what you just delineated isn't somehow bad for visual language and storytelling. But everything that Avatar 2 is doing and everything that Avatar 1 did back in 2009 is merely playing in the constrained sandbox of what the um, studios came together as a consortium and they each wrote white papers for their shareholders and for their developers and their, and their CEOs back in the old days. And they said, you know, what we're going to do. We're going to take our. We're going to take all of our money and put it towards tent poles because the only way we can increase a shareholder yield is to make billions of dollars on movies. It's not going to work if we make my big fat Greek wedding. What we need to do is only make Terminator: Rise of the Rise of the Insecticons or whatever. That's what they're going to do, and that's Sick. what that's that's what they have done. That's that's it. That's the studio's business. Is whoa making... whoa, whoa
0: sorry. Terminator: Rise of the Insecticons. Fine. That's great. why not? Why not?
1: Why not? That's what's coming soon. So, okay. like, the thing is, Avatar is exactly what the studios want to make. They no longer make Julia Roberts movies where she's running away from her husband at the altar, or whoever Julia Roberts is at the point. It's not Hugh Grant stammering through, you know, an engagement for, for tea in Notting well, Hill. But they make
0: these movies for Netflix and HBO Max and Amazon Prime. And they make they're the, still movies. They make man. them for
1: for two million dollars a piece, and yes. and no one ever sees them because they're on Netflix. It's a little box that plays and you never see it no one ever watches it no one knows it's there it's gone it's in this middle of this is bullshit. that really true absolutely true fewer
0: people so fewer people see the movie the, the 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 rom-com whatever that goes straight to netflix than people who saw the, th- the rom-com that, yeah. Than people who saw your standard average rom-com that went to the theaters 30 years the back. reason fewer why- people see it now absolutely
1: really absolutely and the reason why netflix right. buy netflix buys it to say that they have it, not for anyone to watch it. Netflix needs to right. put, they need to put new stuff on Netflix or else they lose the appearance of value.
0: They need, they need out, which is why they do these like documentaries that should be an hour long and they stretch them out into a five-part miniseries. And this is why. Need hours that people spend watching.
1: This is why Disney yes. has the Captain America and Falcon team. This is why they have Book of Boba Fett. They need stuff. There just needs to be stuff. It doesn't matter what it is. Yeah. And they're not going to pay a well, lot for stuff. And they're not going to pay for actors.
0: Not so, going to pay a lot for that muffler.
1: Back to this, I'll say my point is it's not a sign of the apocalypse because we were already there. Feature filmmaking is <laughs> in the shitter. But here, how about this? Let's go back to my, my initial contention of all this is that I grieve for Jim Cameron. The last five films of Jim Cameron's brilliant career are going to get stuck spinning its wheels in the mud of a grim cul-de-sac. You know not showing the audience who grew up with his movies that he's learned anything about being a human, you know, in society through his art. And I'm going to bring up Spielberg again. This is very important. Look, the other night, there's a movie out right now called The called The Fablemans. It had a very brief early December theatrical run before it went on VOD. It went to streaming just a couple of days ago. I want to say Tuesday, Wednesday. Um, the thing is, is that Fablemans is the, you know, Steven Spielberg, is, I think 75, 76 years old. This is a movie where he synthesized his childhood for the first time. He's never gotten personal with a movie. In fact, Steven Spielberg is a guy who has these incredible, you know, feeling and, and, and you know, sentiment and those things aren't, he's no problem with that. If he has any problems being, not sent, being a little more unsentimental, but still, this is the first time Spielberg decided to make a movie about himself. He got Tony Kushner, who's been his regular collaborator since they wrote Munich, I think, in 2005. Tony Kushner wrote Angels in, Angels in America. He wrote Angels in the Outfield, the movie that we all know. Noah. Yes, he wrote Angels in the Outfield. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and The Fablemans is an incredible movie. And again, I bring this up because, again, Cameron thinks that Spielberg is his only living peer. So just keep that in mind. So, you know, there, there is a profound and sensitive movie, certainly the, the most that Spielberg's made in 20 years, an amazing feat for an artist of the same age as Cameron. All Jim Cameron has managed to do is build submarines, live in a technocratic life in a humor-free environment, switching wives every couple of 10 years and coldly going about his art. And, you know, for a guy who had such inspiration, you know, he wrote Strange Days. He didn't direct it. It was directed by Catherine Bigelow. He created Aliens, which is, I think is one of the best movies of all time. Terminator, is, you know, these things. He worked against his own, I'd say his weak spots as a filmmaker, to create movies that barely had any weak spots. That's crazy. And rather than do something like what Martin Scorsese did three years ago when he dropped the the Irishman, which is like the, the last bit of what Martin Scorsese's been saying his whole career, he still has the ability to say new things through his art, through a piece of filmmaking. Cameron says nothing about where he is in life. There's no indication he lived through anything. All he does is he likes scuba diving. That's what I know he's a, from
0: he's a soulless person.
1: He's kind of he's humorous and soulless. So there you go. Yeah.
0: So he might have more money than God, but yeah, I see what you mean by pitying him. Uh, by the way, side note, I said I shook George Clinton's hand. I did not shake Tony Kushner's hand. I was talking to someone mid-sentence talking to them and they immediately walked away so they could go shake Tony Kushner's hand as he walked in. It's a good, to good hi-hat, yeah. Right. So I, I was, I was mid-word thrown away in favor of Tony Kushner, which, sorry, not, not, did not endear this person to me. Uh, anyway, so... You know, it's funny. Uh, I said before, like, oh, why even have the interpersonal stuff? Why not just have the thrill ride stuff? But on the other hand, I think that is not the direction our culture needs to go in. And I guess this might be a sign of the apocalypse in that we are a step toward there if we're just tacking on the post-it note level of script for a movie that's all about the special effects. And like I said, the very elementary special effects, not elementary in terms of craft, not elementary in terms of beauty, but elementary in terms of concept. Like we said, the, 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 the space whales are just space whales. They're not, I want a space creature I've never thought of Vin before. Vin kind it of. keeps growling the word family every
1: couple of half hours in his movies. Yeah. Because that's supposed to be a context. Yeah, it's supposed to t- Family,
0: family. Yeah, who cares? So we're, so I feel like this movie might be a sign we're on the route to idiocracy. Uh, very prescient film. If you remember in Idiocracy, the most famous movie was called Ass, and it was just two (laughs) hours of a close-up of someone's butt farting, and it won every Oscar. And, you know, there's a shit ton, no pun intended, more craft and concept and beauty in this than watching someone fart. But, you know, if conceptually we're not much beyond that, then we got problems. I think it's even worse because it's throwing money away. I mean, I read one thing that said the irony of a movie about not destroying the environment— That I mean, can you imagine the the number of flights and the number of fossil fuels that were burned and the number of the amount of waste to make this movie? I mean, you know what else is new from white Americans in terms of you know speaking for values that we undermine and and speaking technocrats and technocrats, yeah. And you know, there's another thing I read that I didn't go into the details in this, but they said like this movie costs so much money that to be profitable, it has to be one of the top five most like, highest-grossing movies ever. And I remember reading something, like, 30 years ago that Forrest Gump lost money. And I'm like, what? Like, this movie, it, everyone was talking about it. That's it won the accounting. Oscar.
1: It, didn't, it didn't.
0: Right, but, like, okay, so fine. Put that aside. But, like, if this is really true, that this movie needs to, like, conquer the world in order to be worth making, then the entire movie industry is completely ass-backwards. I mean, tell me something I didn't know already, but, like... This is not the way to entertain people. This is not the way to run the world. This is not the way to make you know, to make memories, to make concepts, to make to make culture, to make art. This is just a really bad way for humanity to move. That art has become commodified to insane, literally insane levels. Uh it's just not what we want out of the human experience.
1: Avatar The Way of Water is staggeringly boring. It is so dull. It is so long. It is so ponderous. It is so utterly without wit or artistic merit. Noah, what about jealousy? Tell me where you're taking this one.
0: Well, I'm definitely jealous. I mean, I don't know. I'm curious if people out there are going, I was really touched by it. I was inspired by it, the story. And if people care about this interpersonal shit, Then I'm jealous because something cliched and slightly racist is considered profound. But no one cares what I think, you know. Um, But here's another way I'm jealous. I went to see it last night with a friend of mine who I go to a lot of movies with. And she's a fabulously intelligent person, but, you know, we were talking about, like, she's far more able to just let go and turn your brain off and enjoy the thrill ride thing which I can't. Like I said, I can't. Oh, the special effects are great, but the movie sucks. Nope, not enough for me. Oh, she's a terrible actress, but she's hot. Never enough for me, right? I, I'm i jealous of people who can just let it go and enjoy the effects. I gotta, I'm gotta, i too much in my head and frankly, that's that's hurt me in a lot of aspects of my life. So I guess I'm jealous of people who can really feel the magic of this movie more than I can because I I got it in fits and starts and, you know, look, regular listeners of this, I know, and Maybe irregular listeners who stop listening because they're sick of me whining about everything and finding fault with everything. But, hey, it's my podcast. Deal with it. <laughs> um,
1: I, uh, you know, I, I saw this on Wednesday. It came out in Europe the day before in the States. So actually, Ooh, I brought Fancy then. I look know, at I'm you. Fancy. Yeah, that's what it is. I have. Mr. Um, Europe. I rushed to get a review out because I wanted my dyspeptic uh, bile spread all over the internet first, especially amongst my coterie of friends. So I, I knew that um, a lot of you, my film wonk friends, were easy sells. You know, everyone's a Cameron fan. You know, the term, I have a friend named Becky in Los Angeles. Terminator 2 is like one of the culture, cultural cornerstones of her life i understand why I, I can't blame her for it and so she's you know cameron has this goodwill just baked into this project you know and it's like i know becky was going to see the movie and and love it so the thing is it's like i would say the last 12 hours or so my film wonk friends you know i mean and mostly that's who i'm talking to on social media you know that a lot of people are they're giving thumbs up don't get me wrong there's a couple of people like mark kermode guys like that uh, the english reviewer who were in my camp about it uh but you know, I I'm okay leaving this one behind in terms of jealousy. So I'm I'm on a little ice floe, Noah. Right? It's it's chipping away. There's there's seals hopping up on the side. I see the the fit of an orca swimming around me, and I'm I'm, I'm just drifting out to the, the Wadden Sea or whatever. That's fine. I'm really okay with it. I don't need to be inside this gestalt. I I you know I I have contempt for the movie. I don't want to feel what people are feeling. I'm fairly convinced I'm right about, how, what this does, <laughs> about what this does wrong and how it augurs poorly for, the, for the, art, the art of filmmaking, not just like what it looks like and not just for what it says, but what's the communion, the synthesis between those two things. And again, you said it as best as I, better than I could at the top of the show, exactly what it doesn't do correct, but it does so much of it. It intends to do so much of it badly without getting it right. That's amazing. All right, so what about the uh, felonian scale, our X, Y, Z axis of things?
0: Right, comparing it to our old topics. Well, Bill, there's a movie that I thought of many times watching this. A movie, in fact, I saw in the same movie theater that we covered on this show in very late 2019. The much misunderstood cinematic spectacular, Cats. Cats, wow, as, as okay. Anyone, as any regular listener of the show might know, I am the one solitary person on earth who liked cats. You know, I don't need to get into it too much, but I think the difference is I liked the kind of uncanny valley weirdness of cats. I found that intriguing. And you added to the good music, and I had a good time, right? So I feel like this movie... Yeah, the special effects were rendered a shit ton better, but it lacked that weirdness that I think really would have added to the experience. Also, and this is it because Andrew Lloyd Webber is a genius, I cared about the characters in Cats, and I cared about the conflict, and I cared about the emotions of Cats a thousand times more than I cared here. So I am going to say, you know, this movie wasn't a hot, steaming pile of shit. I was entertained, as I said, a lot of great things about it, a lot of craft to admire. So I am going to say this is seven-eighths of Cats.
1: So You know, I didn't put it up against the movie. I think Cats is ingenious. I don't know why I didn't think of that. I know, because I I didn't want to go like for like. I wanted to sort of jump cross media. And when I wound up sure. coming...
0: That's that's your thing. That's your no, it is. I think we yeah. should always
1: compare pumpkin spice to uh, cup stacking. Like Those are two one-to-ones, yes, ones, exactly. even though they're, they're crust.
0: Did we ever do pumpkin spice as a Yeah, that was
1: the very first show I did in Amsterdam, because I was like, how am I going to... Really? Me and Noah are going to find something cultural, and it's going to get food. And it's like, I went to the Starbucks here, and we did pumpkin I, spice. I, I have
0: no memory of that, because I'm pretty sure... How did I do that? Because I'm pretty sure I've never tasted pumpkin spice. Uh, really I think you did. gag I, just thinking about it. You, really, you it did push, you, I did drink some fireball whiskey for the show. I
1: remember that, yeah, as, as yeah. did so I. So I'm going to pull this out of my ass again. I've used this example a couple of times recently just for the, the sheer scale that I'm, I'm, I'm just in the shadow of being crushed by this brutalist architecture of Taylor Swift's career. So I'm going to pull Red Taylor's version, which, look, man, as much as it was harmless, as much as it was pleasant sounding, you know, t- 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 Red Taylor's version and the song with the scarf and the movie and all that shit, it's mediocre art. From a creator afforded every known asset to humankind on earth. These people get to pick through every single thing that's ever been available televisually, filmically, literally, and the best they can come mm-hmm. up with is something. Literaturely. Yes, something that what the best they can come up with is something that looks like it was uh, the notes from a thirteen year old kid. There's there's a real arrest development in Taylor Swift stuff because, you know, she didn't live a normal life. Taylor Swift was kept out of you know, she she's been she was raised in a jar to be a pop star, and she's the biggest. You know, don't let her fan base hear what I'm saying because I'll I'll, be, I'll get chased off. and I'll Have to go live in Patagonia or yes, something. Yes, exactly. But you're Jim, gonna
0: have to go live with the reef people, hide with them, and learn yeah, to swim and spear. And, but Jim Cam- and go to the the Three Brothers Stones. That's really original.
1: Jim Cameron is the same thing. He's got everything he could possibly want, and what he does is he comes up with this, and it's like you know my one last bit of criticism. This the stupidest thing is that. I think it was about 35 minutes in, and watching the movie, I got my glasses on my face, and you know, there's only about eight other people in the whole theater too. It's 12:30, and I'm saying to myself, "Jesus, man, I tried, but these blue people look like shit. The blue people thing is so dumb. I can't believe really? this whole movie." See, I
0: think they look fine. I just wish they were more interesting. It's such looking, a stupid.
1: You know? It's like they're, there's there's so ra- It's such a random collection. The cat nose, the big tall. Yeah.
0: The big tall size. Well, it's a random collection of like non-white they have dreadlocks, but like it just—it's yeah. very. And
1: puka I mean, I'd say
0: I'd say it's racist, but it's too stupid. You know, all, to be racist. the women all wear this like—it's like saying kids who play cowboys and Indians are racist.
1: Like the women, it's not racist. the women just, wear this like weird crocheted kind of half top that covers their nipples only, and it's like—and no matter how high yeah. they jump out of trees, it's like the it's know, like <laughs> it's, like what is this supposed to be? Loin cloth's It's like the Incredible Hulk. You never yeah. see anything, no matter I, how the clothes. And are. I'm like, I, all that stuff is just man. You know what? This inherently is so dumb. If you if you would have if Cameron would have let an actual futurist like Sid Mead the guy who designed Tron and some a lot of the Star Ralph McQuarrie who did the paintings for Star Wars like if you had an actual visionary futurist design the fucking Na'vi rather than his own half-assed idea they had a notebook it's like that would have taken so much of the heavy lifting out totally it's just we're stuck with a dumb dead idea on arrival yeah anyway t- 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 do you I, remember
0: do you remember one of the things that was so mind blowing about Star Wars and that the new Star Wars media still do well is just how interesting looking the creatures and the robots and everything is and that's, is. that's all just, that's
1: all it has to some degree you know now if you're lacking the central tenet of, of Lucas's of Lucas's dream really yeah. I don't
0: know I, I liked a Mandalorian Strong. stronghold Hey there,
1: everybody. This is
0: Bill breaking in with
1: a little bit of late news we forgot to include in the run of the episode. Uh, So this is our last 2022 podcast, and we'll return back into service about the second or third week of January. So uh, we hope you guys have a very nice uh, holiday situation, and uh, we'll we'll talk to you nice and refreshed in the new year. Now back to the ending of the show. I know you think I'm crazy. All right, everybody. All right. Uh, if you would like to find past episodes of our show, look on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Google Play, and Stitcher. Yes,
0: you can listen to the Pumpkin Spice one, even, yeah, it apparently exists, despite my memory. Go back in the annals.
1: Uh, tweet to us at Noah and Bill's show. Write to us, Noah and Bill don't get it at gmail.com. Give us a review on the aggregators. I am on Twitter, at Liam Scurry, uh, constantly quipping. I am uh, on my YouTube is youtube.com slash AMC, so you'll see video essays and different stuff that I've done. If you're a first-time listener, you will, you will unlock the key to Bill Scurry. Noah, tell, tell, tell them where they can find you.
0: Well, I am, I'm technically still on Twitter, but I haven't tweeted in a while for obvious reasons. I'm trying Instagram now. My nephews say I'm doing it wrong, yeah. but, you know, yeah, you gotta, you do know. I care? You're warming up. Uh, I am now, I am the Noah Tarno. Because I'll tell you, when Google first came out, I Googled myself, I was the only Noah Tarno out there. And I've since discovered there are two others, younger, younger gentlemen. So, uh, at Noah Tarno and on Instagram is taken. So, the Noah Tarno, because I am the Noah Tarno, at Instagram, you can see some of my crap there. Uh, but I'm all about the big quiz thing, bigquizthing.com, America's finest source for custom and private trivia events, nationwide, worldwide, virtual, and in person. Uh, I am... Just ending my insanely busy holiday season. I'm exhausted, Bill. I am fucking exhausted. You've had it, man. You're done. Yeah, (laughs) but success, success. I did a party last weekend. Holy cripes, this house. But it went great. And uh, we're booking now for 2023. And, uh, you know, make all your trivia dreams come true at bigquizthing.com.
1: All right, everybody. So until our next technically proficient but emotionally
0: vapid episode,
1: we We don't don't get get it.
0: it. A production of American Caesar Enterprises 2022.